action. Welcome to Torn Stubs with me, photographer Robert Gershenson, and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We are continuing our deep dive into 21st century horror with Martyrs, directed by Pascal Laurier. <laughs> Did I pronounce that correctly? I don't know. Once again, we're joined by writer Matt Glasby, whose book, The Book of Horror, The Anatomy of Fear in Film, is available now, and it sees Matt dissect the scariest horror films of the past 60 years. It's available in all good bookstores, as well as the haunted ones. We are going to discuss <laughs> Martyrs. I'd never seen Martyrs before, and fucking hell. <laughs> I did wonder Jesus when you Christ. suggested us that we watch this if you had actually seen it. I'd never seen it, and it's traumatic. It really Joshua, is. had you seen it? I had, and I really, really didn't want to have to watch it again. Um, not, I didn't. I think I blocked most of it out of my memory because I remember it just being completely horrific and, as you said, traumatising. So... I was intrigued to watch it again to see if it was as disturbing as I remembered it. But also, I really, really didn't want to. I watched it last night as like, I delayed it as long as I could, basically, until I actually just had to sit down and watch it. Matt, you included it in your book, so it's clearly made a connection with you. Yes, I am. It's one of those films that people always say you'll only watch once because it's so traumatic. But I saw it once as a horror fan and then... I saw it twice to write about it because it's a chapter in my book and I swore never again. And then I agreed to come on this lovely podcast and you guys said, oh, it's Marta. So I've now seen it four times in the past three or four years. You've seen it more than anybody in the world. I've seen it more than Pascal Lachier, but yeah. it, I, I would say I do think it's a masterpiece. I will also say I am unlikely to watch it again in the next decade or so because four times is enough and it's hard going. But did it scare you? Yes. I think the first... The film is a film of two halves. And I think the first section in which our two heroines are being pursued by a kind of banshee creature is genuinely terrifying. And the second section, which is much more sort of about torture and a sort of what humans are capable of, is not scary, is, is grinding and horrible in a different way. But that first 45 minutes is really scary, I think. Joshua, yeah. just give us a quick synopsis. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the, begin the film begins in the 70s when a young girl called Lucy has escaped from, uh, you know, a rundown, horrible warehouse where she seems to have been a victim of quite terrible abuse. Um, obviously, all abuse is terrible, but, she, you know, she's seriously scarred and obviously very traumatised. And when she's taken off to... Um, sort of like a, a recuper like a kid's home i think she ends up in she goes to she an orphanage doesn't she yeah she befriends 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 a girl called anna and they you know they become very close and then we flash forward what is it seven eight years or something for 13 years 15 it's quite a while She's, she basically grows up to be a young woman yeah and so it must be in the early 90s this film is set yeah i guess so um so when we, when we meet her again, basically, she storms into this idyllic family home and kills everyone, the, the, the parents and the two kids. One of the kids is played by Xavier Dolan. I know. Welcome back yes. to the podcast, Xavier Dolan. <laughs> as briefly as you're here. 
Um, and the film sort of from there just spirals into, um, you know, the depths of hell, basically. It's, <laughs> you, spend, you spend, you know, the good first half of the film really not knowing what the hell is going on. And that is in itself sort of morbidly gripping because, you, you know, this 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 her- the heroine Lucy she's she's supposed to be you know you're you're conditioned to to sort of feel sorry for her you know she's obviously been a victim of abuse she's grown up and in most horror films when you know those kids grow up they kind of become the heroes but in this she's she re-enters the film blows people away screams and shouts about how they were you know her tormentors and you know, you don't really know how you feel about her. She, you feel so conflicted about this woman. Um, and that just adds to this overall unnerving sense of having no idea what the fuck is going on. I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell where it was going. I couldn't, I just couldn't guess. And, mm. and, and I guess that comes down to just brilliant, brilliant storytelling where it's, 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 it's not, I mean, it's not at all obvious and what's going on but not in a confusing way you know this isn't this isn't like a david lynch right this is a reasonably simple straightforward film you just don't realize how straightforward it is until the end yeah but in the moment i couldn't tell what was going on i think part of that is because the director writer pascal lagier he he very cleverly mixes things like you know she lucy's being tormented by this horribly scarred disfigured woman who you know she is terrifying she's like a banshee she's like screaming and making guttural noises and attacking her and mm. savagely attacking her um she's very j horror yeah she's got a real j horror vibe about her but then when you later on spoiler find out she's actually almost like a, a manifestation she's not real but she's like yeah. She's Lucy's trauma manifest. That's a really clever trick that you almost haven't really noticed as being playing in the background um, because you've been worrying about Lucy being completely del- delusional, but you haven't necessarily assumed that this thing chasing her isn't real. So it's very clever. Well, it's a horror trope, isn't it? So you don't, you mm. don't think to question that this thing isn't, isn't anything other than a real ghost coming after her. Mm. There's nothing up until that point that you think, well nothing ordinary has happened so why would mm-hmm. this be out of the ordinary one of the things i think it does is that people who are incredibly traumatized are reliving you know ptsd and the, the like are reliving those traumas <clears throat> constantly and so mm. for the first half of the film where we're in with lucy we're at her side if not in her head there there is no uh there's no uh, sober viewpoint of what's going on. She's being attacked by this banshee creature. She's killing, massacring a family. She's uh, cutting herself and scratching herself and banging her head against the wall. Like everything is this horrible, violent now because that's how she feels inside because of what's been done to her. So I think it just is. It's an incredibly powerful like dramatization of what trauma might feel like, um, mm. and you just don't know which way's up when when you're when you're in when you're from her point of view and mm. then actually the film's very very clever because something else is happening as you as you guys have said and it takes a, a complete left turn um halfway through 
which is a really great piece of romantic effects, it constantly does reversals. Like when we first see the family, the daughter's screaming and we're like, mm, oh, something yeah. awful's happening to her. <laughs> but she's having a play fight with her brother. Nothing awful's happening. And there's yeah. constant things like that. Where you know, oh, this, this is what's happening. This is something terrible and it's not. Or something mm. seems innocent and it's not, obviously, either. Yeah. And then they have their nice family breakfast and it's just general, almost like setting up the, yeah, the exactly. early part of a Friday the 13th or a Halloween movie chit chat Americana even though it's set in, in teasing French, yeah, and in French Canada and then opens the door and boom literally yeah. boom do you think the kids knew what the parents were doing oh that's a good question because there's a moment when when she's got when she says to Xavier she said do you know what your parents did and he there's he hesitates and there's this slight shrug that he plays incredibly well because it could be read either mm. way. But also, if those those so he's those kids are no older than eighteen. They're, they're old teenagers, but they are they are at home. So even if they have grown up knowing that their mother and dad have got a, a basement torture parlor for it, so like that's not their fault. So yeah, he he gets to be strangely ambivalent about that. Like that's, mm. that's you're right. It's really well played that that could be either way. But like it's not his fault that that happened. Do you think that he does know and because he's grown up in, in that environment, he doesn't see anything wrong with that? Don't make me watch this film again. I do not want to watch this film again and try and answer that question. I'm saying no, he doesn't know. End of. You're saying he doesn't know. I'm saying he doesn't. But it is a bit weird. But I think maybe he does know. But it's Shit. so it's so normal for him. Yeah. Maybe in that mm. moment he's thinking, oh, maybe it's not correct and that's why he hesitates because maybe the hesitation is well yeah i know what they do but why are you angry about it girl with gun remember mm. girl with gun would have been kidnapped pretty much before he was born so, yeah. and escapes in fact pretty much before he's born because she's yeah, in her definitely. 20s then isn't she it looks like and he's sort of maybe 17 or something so yeah even if he does know like this goes the, the history of this this abuse goes back so far it predates mm. you know a young adult effectively yeah there's no um in the house there's no like religious imagery that i could tell so like if he was if he was justifying it to himself he would maybe justify it by saying you know this is being done for you know us in, in order for us to like see god or whatever um but there's none of that around the house so but there's none of that in the story is there they're not they're not looking for god are they because it feels like it's a religious cult, but it's it's not a religious cult. It's like a nihilist cult, no. or, or you know, um, just a sort of yeah. exploratory cult, just trying to find like the next the next level of human um, existence, I guess. Mm. One thing that I find about this film, it's slightly subversive in that the girl that comes with the first girl, Anna, she survives, so she can be considered the final girl and yet she doesn't go up the stairs to escape mm -hmm. she finds herself going downstairs into the basement mm -hmm. which is completely flipping the horror trope on its head but my question is if you've if you realize you've survived a horror why go into a basement why not go outside down the road to the train station and get the hell out of there. So you think she? Do you think she should have fled the scene? I think. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Wouldn't you, you wouldn't absolutely. go. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, a very synth. A very 
sterile looking room with some keys and a, a coat and then there's a almost hole in the floor that's locked i should go down there because that's the safest thing to do yeah so but that's, spent, that's, why would you do that she spends the night there doesn't she it's one of the things that's quite good about it like she falls asleep and it's the next day or something like it's it's not it's like it's not movie-ish it's kind of rubbish they've committed this big long crime and then like have mm. a bit of a sleep and then get on with things like <laughs> i quite like that but she needs to know she needs to she found out after her best friend slash you know potential lover we don't really know um you know she finds out that she was telling the truth and she's been really seesawing between terrified that she, her friend has lost her mind and is this actually real and if so what the hell has hap- really happened to her so now that she can't ask lucy what happened and believe her she has to see it for herself so that's why she goes down but that's a pretty brave and ballsy and, and what turns out to be disastrous decision to make to go well i've just seen all this fucked up shit so Mm -hmm. why don't i go downstairs surely the fact that she's seen all the fucked up shit is that not proof enough why does she need to go downstairs yeah and it's also devastating when we as an audience realize oh yeah she's not a final girl she's she's not coming back from this like as soon as they have her and they start torturing her and i think it's when they remove her skin that you're like oh fuck like she actually isn't the the final girl character she is another um victim in this and she's not coming back from this and that's like a devastating moment is i mean you could say she is the final girl in a sense because at the end mademoiselle exposition kills herself what mama carry on (laughs) mama petrelli or whatever (laughs) she's like she's just like let me come in i've just read the script let me tell you everything that's going to happen yeah right so but she kills herself at the end and they have this ambiguous ending that could be read either way but do the other people in in the crazy group carry on looking for the answers or do they go well the old bird's dead that's um Mm. What do you guys Let's, think? What do you guys think? This a day. What do you think's happened at the end, Josh? I I loved what you Matt wrote in your book about it because actually I hadn't thought of that angle at all. But I just assumed that she, you know, when when Anna turns out to be the the final girl who does, who actually does attain this um, heightened state of being, and she tells Mademoiselle as well, Mademoiselle. Oh my God. God, why can't I say her name? Mademoiselle Exposition. Mademoiselle Exposition. She tells her what she saw, or, you know, I just assume she told the truth. And um, and then Mademoiselle goes upstairs and blows her brains out. And I just kind of thought, oh, okay, well, she's been given some kind of verbal proof of life beyond death. So she's just decided to kill herself. But Matt, that's not what you wrote in your book. That that was my reading. You wrote something but, more interesting, I think. But you so say... You- you say that this proof that there's life after death, but mm. it, like it could be exactly the opposite, couldn't it? Couldn't she be saying yeah. there's proof that there's nothing after death? Um, yeah, we, we have we have no idea. Obviously, um, Anna's character, Anna's character has, has reached this transcendence that they're that they're looking for, but mm. we don't know what that means. And she she whispers something, doesn't she? But we don't know. We never find out. And what actually, it is. her face doesn't like when Mademoiselle hears what she has to say. Her her face doesn't look happy or excited it actually looks sort of hopeless (laughs) 
it's one of those things he said so pascal said that he wrote this in like the darkest depression and it's like mm. all the nihilism he could ever summon so and it's got this incredibly uh a profound seeming ending about the meaning of life but it could actually be that the guy writing it is like i'm not going to fucking tell you and mm. i'm not going to, there's not a proper answer i'm not going to give you this so it could actually just be like a fuck you to the audience as well which i'd never thought of so like we've been through yeah. all this stuff and this still isn't a resolution like that's a nasty yeah. thing and obviously it's a nasty film um maybe that's like the ultimate last laugh is that they're not even going to give you a, a twist or a, a resolution yeah and also he kind of makes you want to know what a- what anna has said you know, he makes you almost complicit in what has been done to her because you're like, oh, fuck, it's it's worked and she's actually glimpsed something. And oh, now I quite want to know what she glimpsed. And you completely become part of that cult <laughs> as soon as you start to think that, I think. I like to think that Anna tricked Mademoiselle. Mm-hmm. I like to think that regardless what Anna saw, she has the where all to know that what, you know, she, I mean, Mademoiselle has already told her we are looking for X, Y, and Z. So I think Anna's tricked her. I think Anna's told her a lie, regardless what she has seen, mm. knowing full well that maybe it's a way out. Maybe they'll go, well, there's nothing there. Let's let this poor girl go, even though mm. they've taken all her skin off. Yeah, imagine, like, imagine trying to go after that, like just walking down the street. It'd be so stingy, wouldn't it? It'd be like just the air, and like, oh. <laughs> It'd be like, yeah, I don't think she's going anywhere. I mean, maybe it could be anything. She could have said, like, tell her who won X Factor or, like, (laughs) (laughs) I think that Mademoiselle comes in at the the perfect moment because actually she comes in an hour in, she comes in 40 minutes from the end. And she basically turns up right when it's become so... It's it's teetering on the edge of absurd it's so awful it's so rank and and sort of hideous that well my boyfriend left the room at that point he you know an hour in he was done he left um and i think that it the film really gets so close to actually being completely unwatchable Mm. because you start to you start to sense that it's exploitation for exploitation's sake it you know as soon as this was going to be my next this was going to be my next question. Mm. How does this film differ from the torture Gorno films like Hostel and Saw and Wolf Creek? I oh, so firstly, I think Wolf Creek is 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 a different kettle of fish to to Hostel and Saw because it's just so much better. Um, how this differs from torture porn and, and Pascal Laillet has been very clear about this as he says this isn't about torture it's about suffering and then the mm. whole film is about what suffering does to, to poor Anna um, how it warps us and and so yeah I'd say that this film has a philosophy like it's trying to dig into the meaning behind all this stuff whereas those like something like Saw is genuinely just trying to and Saw is a good version of this but let's say something like Captivity or something really awful is just <laughs> trying to show you what people look like when they're in pain whereas yeah. this has got like way more going on than this and um so yeah like it, it sort of uses the tropes of torture porn and there's a lot of torture in it and it's very difficult to watch but yeah it is trying to tell us something i'm not mm. entirely sure what that is but yeah I, i'm not bored of asking those questions after four views but like i say i'm not going to watch it again so but do you, do you feel it do you feel that at all this film is exploitative 
The one question, so there's looking at new new French extremism, and they say how it like tackle tackles like colonialism, tackles like racial uncomfortableness of, of French past. So both women mm. are from uh, like have got a, a mixed race heritage. So mm. I think mm. um, let's look what's Moyana's is out is Moroccan half Moroccan and Mylene is half Chinese and so they've been cast for they're great actresses they've been but they seem to have been cast for a reason they've got a certain look and actually this yeah. is the same in Inside and Frontier and lots of films seem to cast uh, women who's part of their heritage is, is overseas in some sort of weird attempt to grapple with like French girl fascism mm. racial politics I don't know what that is and I'm not detracting from their casting because they are amazing in this but it does seem like he's got a plan and a bit of that plan is watching beautiful women being hurt by white by white captors that's quite uncomfortable i can't remember the the girl that anna finds down there with the staples in her head yeah Mm. was she mixed race i don't know but she's um yeah yeah, she's so it's hard to tell but there's definitely I mean there's definitely something it's like the the 2.4 children yeah. white middle class family upstairs everything's mm-hmm. fine and downstairs in the horrible basement we torture yeah. people whose heritage is from elsewhere of the four people we've seen being tortured the the sort of the J-horror girl back at the old place then uh, the main girl then Anna and then the potential fourth one mm-hmm. you know so two thirds of them on mixed race there so, is a point about that and yeah. they also she like uh, the Mademoiselle shows that like there's the, the victims through history that have achieved transcendence yeah. and this like uh, people in the second world yes. war concentration camp victims people in this says she mentions Alabama in 1960 which I guess is like civil rights thing so there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely something about like uh, huge um, times of political turmoil and, and the, the awful things that happen during them I don't know exactly what it is again so yeah. I'm sort of wary of putting my foot in my mouth do you think the director included that to be a a a positive um sort of reappraisal of or french history in terms of their relationship with people who aren't white do you think it's potentially got a bit muddled and it can be read as as a desire to do what he might potentially be writing against does that make sense yeah i think so it's it's a really murky question he's not celebrating it because he doesn't he's not inviting anyone to take joy in what he's portraying like it's not something yeah i just i don't think we see a lot of torture especially for anna mm. in that last 40 minutes and then why also why are the excessive why are the women beautiful What's, I mean, I know they're actresses, actresses tend to be beautiful, but mm. what, like, what is yeah. that? They could just be very ordinary looking people. So he's cast that for a reason. Yeah. It, as with the horror thing, there's always the, like, the, the um, people doing awful things to beautiful women. And yeah. where, where is the question, where is the desire for that? Does that come from the, the audience or from the director? Like, it's one of those things you've got to always ask questions about. I think this film is on the side of the good guys, but the, it's murky. And um, yeah. yeah, these are dark and difficult themes to be like yeah. wielding a hammer at but it's also just like it's just completely it's impossible to just dismiss it as pure exploitation you know like mm. there were moments where i was just really angry at the film like physically angry at it and and like just not okay with what i was being shown but but because you then get this reveal that there is an intellect at work, you know, the reason behind what is happening is like horribly intelligent and like theological. Um, 
but I don't know if like the end justifies the means, but it's definitely like exploitation with ideas, I guess. I think that's why people are t- taken against it so much is that you see exploitation with no ideas. It's really easy to dismiss mm. it. But this yeah. is like someone clever and talented has made this really, really, really awful film. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> he, did, he didn't awful have, in, in the yeah, yeah. awful in the experience or <laughs> just not in the in the in the construction of this quality. Is it, I mean, but, uh, is it appropriate? Is it appropriate to take these themes and make a horror film out of it? Would it not be more appropriate to take these themes and make a drama? A thriller. Sometimes the least appropriate film responses to things are sort of polite dramas about mm. awful, impolite things. So mm. horror is a good a place as any to do that. I always think, um, you know, there's there's no rules about that. You can make a comedy out of something awful. It's just a question of expressing uh, yeah. expressing things that are really difficult to express politely. So I mean, I guess you can do whatever you like with it. Um, and as I say, I think this does fall on the side of the good guys. I think I think this is like an honourable attempt to grapple with these really deep, dark, horrible things. Um, I mean, he calls it a melodrama. The director, Laudier, he? he calls it a melodrama. He says he wasn't intending to discuss discuss the audience. He was, you know, he says that critics describe the film as butchery, and he says that that saddens him because he sees it as like a a film about melancholy and it's a he sees it as a melodrama melancholy yeah that's some melancholy isn't it I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know but i mean i guess he he must have expected something like that with the amount of gore and violence in there he can't yeah. really be surprised that mm. someone might turn around and say hang on there's a lot of this going on in here i think your message is getting a bit <laughs> And also he says that he didn't enjoy making the film. He's like everything from writing the script to the editing. He says for different reasons, he found it really difficult. And the actor said it was horrible to be made yeah, to no. make as well. So yeah. just everyone involved agrees this is really a really truly horrible thing. Um, let's make that's <laughs> you know what we should remake it in america and just like you know they did yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> all right but i'm glad i'm glad this one wasn't i'm glad this one wasn't made in the hollywood system because otherwise it would have been sequelized to buggery hmm. we would have seen a, a prequel detailing the that little family with Xavier Dolan. Yeah. Then there'd be a side film with the SWAT team. And then we'd see how the girl with the staples on her head got there. Yeah. It would just, when will it end? Yeah, and it, that's when it would become exploitative because there's only so many times you can explore the theme of trauma before you start treading hmm. the same old tropes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, Pascal Lai's other films aren't very good and are quite horrible, if if my recollection serves. Usually I ask in these episodes, if you're going to watch the film again. <laughs> Ma? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. The fourth time was the, was the, the, fourth time was the treat. And uh, yeah, I do recommend that people listen to it, watch it. It is worth one watch of any horror fan's time. It's just, mm. it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of uh, pain to unpack and it'd be incredibly triggering for pretty much almost anyone watching it so josh i feel sick just talking about it now i feel sick thinking about it like i I have a really physical response to this film i could probably watch it again after a while to the point where i would need to leave a lot of time so maybe i would forget bits because putting aside all the violence and the trauma just the twists Mm. it's a one-time film like yeah. Blair Witch I can't watch Blair Witch again because 
I know all the bits. Yeah. Mm. So I would need to forget and then watch it and be pleasantly surprised at the bits that I forgot. Which is basically what but I did, but I still feel horrific after it. The bits are so powerful, they kind of stay because I mm. watched it once mm. and I can remember it quite vividly. They really do, don't they? It's really scarring. Mm. I actually had to fast forward the last half an it's hour. It's almost traumatic. I was just, I can't, I can't sit through that again. I have to fast forward this bit. I know isn't, there's nothing, no dialogue <laughs> in it. Are you fast forwarding? Yeah, I couldn't do it again. It's too much. Well, I'm sure Pascal would love to hear that. <laughs> Watch Martyrs and fast forward. It'll be fine. <laughs> it'll be turned into a nasty Benny Hill. <laughs> There's no movement there. They're just sitting there hitting each other. So <laughs> That was Martyrs, directed by Pascal Lafoyer. Joshua, give us a clue as to what our next film is going to be. Oh, it's a comedy. It's going to be a funny one. Subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Acast so you don't miss that episode. Joshua. We're also on Twitter at TornStubsPod. Have you seen Martyrs? Will you watch it a second time or a third time or indeed a fourth time? Let us know. Matt, how can people find you? Online, not stalking you. <laughs> Just don't turn up at my door with a shotgun. You can find me online at uh, Twitter at Matt Glasby. Um, you can find me at mattglasby.com or most likely your best bets to follow the Book of Horror at the Book of Horror on Twitter. And that book, the Book of Horror, the Anatomy of Fear, is in all good and dodgy bookstores. It's great. We should mention the illustrations by Barney Bodoano. Barney Boduano, beautiful black and white illustrations they for are, each of the main films. Hmm. Yeah, they are really good. They're like kind of, um, I mean, they look like pencils mixed with watercolours. Yeah, I think it's charcoal, but yeah, he's really, really talented. The charcoal, and they, really yeah. effective. It yeah. reminds me of Eddie Campbell, who drew From Hell. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, he'd love to hear that. Mm. Yeah, they're very cool, very creepy. Yeah, I think they do give it a bit of like, make the book itself a little bit scary, hopefully. Mm. We are off to find true transcendence until next time i remain robert gershenson i'm joshua winning and i'm matt glasby thank you for having me thanks matt cut <laughs>